Hi, I'm Sharon Chisholm and this is Vanessa Lewis and today you're listening to the Mental As Anything podcast. So today, Vanessa, today we're going to talk about anxiety and the signs and symptoms and what you can do to help when you're in that nasty little place. Yes. And anxiety uh, was something that I probably lived with for a good solid five or six years, actually maybe even a bit longer, but extensively for about five or six years. It was quite debilitating. So I'm certainly... (laughs) kind of looking at this going okay it's a bit of a revision and to see how far i've come along so yeah so not everyone um can get over it as as quick as that sometimes it's a lifelong thing and sometimes it's even more debilitating than what i experienced so how did it show up for you what what were the the symptoms you experienced so my symptoms began um, at, because I was in a very high stress job, very um, running $64 million project and um, being that streak of perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just, I just really overworked myself to the point of um, exhaustion. And uh, one day I fainted. And the next day um, when I was driving to work, because yes, I couldn't even give myself a day off, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I had a panic attack in the car and I didn't know what it was at that point um, and I took myself off to hospital and they said no no you're okay you're not dying um, you're just having a panic attack and I went what what is that I didn't understand what it was but for me it really felt like um, I was kind of everything was tunneling in mm-hmm. my heart was pounding I was getting tunnel vision I couldn't breathe. I um, I actually thought I was going to have a heart attack, um, and so, and and subsequent times after that, it was triggered off by being in the car. Yeah. And uh, though one time I did have a an anxiety attack talking to my hairdresser, <laughs> which was. <laughs> but she I, wasn't doing a good job then. <laughs> <laughs> she had no idea, absolutely no idea. I was in the middle. I was really good at at schooling my face. Um, while I was having them. Um, so it was quite phenomenal. I would have counselling sessions uh, with young people in the car mm-hmm. and um, have be having these panic attacks. It was unbelievable. Wow. That would have been scary when you were driving. Yeah. Very scary. Very scary. I did manage to, to control them, but it wasn't until many, many years later. And I actually got to... It was at the conference you and I met. Ah, oh, okay, yep. It was the tapping and it was going back to the original event. Mm-hmm. It had to do with me sitting in the back of the, you know, the old family car yeah. with no seatbelts on. Right, And uh, in, those were the days. Down in Melbourne, there was uh, Dandy Long Ranges where you go up and down. Yeah. And my father thought it was hilarious <laughs> to do that at, uh, at some <laughs> speed with me in the back. <laughs> you know this confusion between him thinking this is hilarious and me feeling terrified but wanting to be on the same level as my dad so I just kind of panicked um so it all sort of came back because of the stress which often happens yeah yeah oh definitely it can be those events that that at the time we think nothing of yeah 
and then they can just kind of squirrel themselves away in our brain to, to rise up when we least expect it. Exactly. Our brain is very much worked. Uh, it's, it's ordered in order to remember back those memories and mm-hmm. the procedure that you went through yeah. to get through it. Yeah. And often we do it so unconsciously um, that we really have to look very deep inside to work out possibly where these things are coming from. Yes. So when you went to hospital and they said, no, it's okay, you're not about to die, uh, what was the next step? What happened? The next step was that um, I went to my local um, GP and I told him what had happened. And he um, he pretty much, again, it was the same GP, I think, on the last podcast. So he pretty much sent me to a physiotherapist to resolve my head, which was, um, a phys- I had a physical problem with right. my head, which sparked off the anxiety attack but um so he dealt with the physical and not the emotional at Mm -hmm. all so i dealt with i had um i had to find my own resources yeah to help me and one of the resources of course i found was tapping but i I used to apply it to the symptoms only Mm because i didn't know how to get to the root of it yeah the other way of dealing with it that i actually again i was on the search for um trying to find resources was a method of breathing called butenko breathing Mm -hmm. and that butenko breathing helped me again it helped me to be really focused on my breath when i got into it and control my breath Mm because what they explained was that if you are breathing in a way such as taking big gulps of air into your body you're actually stressing your organs more yeah and because they're already under the system of um fight and flight they're just getting even more stressed thinking, oh my God, you're running, you yeah. know, you're running because you're breathing really like you're having to get away from the situation. Yeah. So the Butenko breath helped me to return my breath to normal, which gave a signal to my brain, hey, everything's okay now, mm-hmm. you know, it's all right. And so on top of that, the next part for me to help me was again looking at how was I creating this anxiety in my mind? Yeah which we will get into. So how did it show up for you? Um, I don't recall um, really struggling with anxiety until a few years ago. Um, And I've always been, you know, like you were talking about, I've always been a bit of a perfectionist. And um, what some possibly might describe as a control freak. (laughs) And... um, the first time I really remember having anxiety was when my daughter started school. Mm. And those first few weeks uh, of, of having gone from daycare where they were, you know, smothered in cotton wool to a school where potentially... Anything could happen. Anything could happen. She would be singled out by a predator and whisked away from the school or she would be bullied or you know, have no friends. And so I would drop her off and, you know, very straight face, trying not to cry. And then I'd go and sit in the car and sob for Mm, an hour, mm. Um, which of course wasn't helping her and it certainly wasn't helping me. Um, And I I would feel very uh, out of control um, and helpless. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to get help. Uh, I didn't really understand what was going on for me. I just knew that no. I wasn't coping very well. A lot of people don't understand what's going on. 
Yeah. In fact, you touched on one of the things there, which is about the controlling. Mm-hmm. So when we get into that um, element of um, needing to control our environment, yeah. what most people don't understand is that that's a form of anxiety. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and um, for me, not being in control is something that makes me very uncomfortable. Mm. Even when I'm aware of what's going on, um, and because I put myself under such huge pressure to be able to do things, and then when I can't do them straight away... Uh, I get really frustrated. The more frustrated I get, the more panicky I get and the more I want to control it. We were, uh, we went for a bushwalk. I'm probably going back a couple of years now and it was up quite a steep slope. And uh, my husband was, you know, bounding up the, the slope and the kids were bounding up the slope. And, and there was me, um, you know, struggling with every breath. Everything hurt. My feet hurt. My knees hurt. Um, and the more I was trying to get up there and the more out of breath and exhausted I was, mm. the more frustrated I felt and then the more pathetic I felt. Um, and I couldn't control what was going on and I couldn't make myself get up there any faster or easier. And so I started having this enormous panic attack where I just was overcome by emotion. Um, I felt faint my heart was racing, which, you know, possibly was also due to the fact that I was seriously unfit. Um, but I, I was shaky uh, and sweaty and uh, just felt like I was going to throw up or pass out or possibly do both simultaneously. Yes. Yes. Um, and I just made myself sit down, kind of checked in with myself. What's going on? Why do I feel like this? Um, and I realized really that it was because I was getting frustrated with myself that I couldn't be in control of that situation Mm. and then you know it's reared its ugly head on and off over the last few years Um, particularly I guess hand in hand with my depression Um, it often does go hand in hand with depression yeah absolutely and and I will notice that even when I'm not consciously feeling anxious about something I might just be sitting watching the TV or, you know, watching a movie with the kids in an environment that is safe and loving and warm and protected. And all of a sudden I will just start taking, as you were talking about, big gulps of breath. Yeah. And it didn't matter how much breath I got. It wasn't enough. Yeah. Um, and, and even talking about it actually makes me feel like I can't get enough breath and I need to start... Yes. You know, taking these these big breaths. Um, and then, so as well as the breath, my heart would start to race and I'd start to feel irritable um, and and not quite knowing what I need. You know, yeah. I, I know I need something in this moment, but I have no idea what it is. And there's a really good reason for that. Mm-hmm. So what happens when you go into um, a level of anxiety, and this is... Everyone's heard of the fight and flight. Yeah. You know, if you feel like, if your system feels like you're in danger and it wants to get you out of, this, out of the situation in two ways, fight or flight. So, you know, you either run away or you start fighting. So your irritability is about the fighting. Yeah. But there's also another way. If there's a, a, a way that your body says, okay, I can't get out of this situation yeah. um, and I can't fight, out, fight back, it that's when the internal, the freeze actually yeah. comes in place. And you're able to do nothing. And your outer part of the brain, the one that 
gives you all the logical thinking goes offline yeah. and you can't think your way out of it's it. on holiday it's on holiday yeah. so one of the key things people need to understand is when you have an anxiety attack you can't think your way out of yeah. it yeah no it's not a logical process oh hey look if we could think our, ourselves out of things we'd all be a lot better off exactly I think. yeah exactly so there's definitely steps forward in order to get yourself through it yeah yeah definitely and i think um that that logical brain that we try and um uh pinpoint to these these physical symptoms that are going on that comes back to the need to control yes and of course then we can't control it so it just it's like a snowball effect it is it's a cyclic effect so we need to be able to understand um you know first how do we deal with it what tools do we need during a uh, an anxiety attack so for me what worked for me was the butenko breath yep and then when i had that under control i could start tapping and letting go of the rest of the symptoms that were yep. still hanging around and then after that then i would go okay so what was going on you know what not go back into the thoughts but more like how were my thoughts creating that anxiety yeah. or what situation sparked it? Because it's not always your thoughts. It can be a situation like you, you know, dropping off the, the your, your daughter to the school. Yeah. So that was the situation. So what is it? What was happening for you? What was I thinking at that time? What belief did I have or had I created at that? And why was, and how that was that making me feel? Oh, and sometimes it's, uh, it's a lot more obscure than that. Mm. It could be that um, you can't think of what it was and it may be something uh, like you've had a conversation with somebody that, that was a perfectly fine conversation, but somewhere in your subconscious it reminded you of a similar conversation yes. that wasn't as pleasant. Yes. Uh, and so, you know, your, your uh, subconscious is remembering that and what happened and all of a sudden you're in that fight, flight or freeze. Yes having no clue what's going on yes not understanding why you have this <laughs> panic attack coming on absolutely so we have what's called um implicit and explicit memory so implicit is something where you can put uh, that narrative around a story around it so this happened and then that happened and then this happened but the explicit is is when you're you've made memories that don't have any words or any and because there are a period of time in our life where we didn't have words yes yeah. So from a baby all the way until we're toddlers or, um, you know, three, up to about three, we're still building these memories that we might not have an understanding for. So there's no words around it. Yeah. And so for me, that was this feeling of going up and down in the car <laughs> like a roller coaster and not yeah. understanding from an adult's perspective, hey, this is kind of fun. But from a child's perspective, I didn't understand what was going on and I was just terrified but confused. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's not just before you have the words, you know, the physical words when you're really little, but as you're growing up and, and of course, you know, you go through so many changes um, through each um, part of growing up uh, that often you have, you might have the proper words, but you don't really understand what's going on because it's an adult situation mm -hmm. or things are happening to you that are way out of your control um, and, and so your brain is trying to make sense of that, but it doesn't have the tools and strategies yes. in order to be able to, to make sense of it. And often as adults, we can feel the same way. Yes.
Correct. And so the way that we deal with it as growing up when situations like that happen is to just move on very quickly. (laughs) We just don't deal with it emotionally. We don't check in with ourselves and say, well, how do we feel about that? You know, Um, so any kind of situation where it's created an emotional response with inside of us, if we don't have what's called the bigger picture, you know, understanding what was going on, who was there and who was there to support us, to give us that bigger picture, then we don't integrate that experience and we have an emotional experience with no logic around yeah. it. And, and often, you know, there is no logical explanation for why things happen. But because they are uh, completely out of our control, it can be very easy to start to modify your behaviour and thought processes so that you have elements of control. Mm. Um, you know, if you look at um, uh, OCD, for example, people start to control things that, uh, for the majority of other people, wouldn't really need controlling. No. You know, they may decide that, that everything, every can in their cupboard has got to be facing the same way or every towel has to be folded identically or they have to count things so they know exactly. Yes you know what's going on and it's or they they start controlling what they're eating because it's something they can actually logically have control over yes so your brain is looking for order yeah in order to calm the inner storm yes because there's no order or sense in the the things that caused it in the first place ironically it doesn't work (laughs) (laughs) no of course it just exacerbates the situation and this is where, again, you know, that. so what we're really saying is that there's two ways you can really deal with it. Mm-hmm. And many people that don't understand that they've got anxiety will often project it outwards. Yeah. So control things or situations themselves or people around them. Yeah. And you see this a lot with children too. If they're feeling a bit out of control, they'll try and control their parents. Yes. So... Um, Essentially, we either do that or we do this inner turmoil storm where we actually withdraw and create this storm inside of our head, which is what we call a panic attack. Yeah. And uh, which can be extremely frightening. And the physical sensations of it are quite overwhelming. Oh, absolutely. We can it can be really terrifying um, to feel this impending sense of doom or, um, you know, impending sense of danger. And if you don't get on top of it. It can get to the point where you go, I'm not, I'm not going into situations. So yeah. for me, it was like I, I can't drive anymore. Yeah. And I started avoiding to drive. Yeah. And then it got to the point of me going, maybe I won't go out anymore. Yeah. So you know, I would literally just find excuses why I couldn't go over to someone's place because I felt safer at home. Panic attacks didn't happen at home; they happened outside of the house. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, I'm the same with. Uh, when I think about that bushwalking example, if if because I was unfit at the time, uh, if there was an opportunity to go and do something that potentially could have been huge amounts of fun, mm. if there was any chance that I wouldn't have been able to do it, I would have just stayed at home and said, no, I, yeah. I, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Because I was so worried about not being able to control that situation at mm. all. Mm. Um, and looking ridiculous and, and feeling embarrassed and... And ashamed of myself, which of course goes hand in hand with depression anyway. So were there anything particular things that actually helped you through any of your anxiety bouts? I think 
for me, you know, I tend to just shove that emotion down and not, not want to deal with it. I go straight into avoidance. Um, and usually I will, my method of avoidance is, um, the TV Mm. and food, um, anything to make me feel better or take my mind off it. And of course, if there's constantly external noise, it somehow prevents the noise in my head from taking over. Yes. So I don't leave myself that space to think. So often if, if I'm aware of what's going on, I might just go and lie down for a little while. And just as you were saying, feel where there's those emotions and feelings are in my body mm. uh, and notice what the physical signs are. Um, focus on my breathing um, and just, you know, even if it's sometimes just the, the progressive relaxation. So I might start my toes and I'll tense my toes and then I'll relax and then my foot and then I'll relax and work all the way mm-hmm. up through my body. Um, and that, that focus really helps to, to yes. kind of clear my mind. Which is what we call mindfulness. Yeah. So mindfulness is the process of putting all your attention into the moment. And so you're doing that when you're clenching your, your toes or feeling yes. feeling the sensation. And, and anyone who's listening to this can literally just now put your mind into your big toe. <laughs> and just feel it. There's not enough room in my big toe for my, <laughs> for my mind. <laughs> but you can feel it. Yeah. You put your attention onto it. Hey, I can feel my toe. I can feel the skin. I can feel the bone in there. Put all your attention. If you can't do it, you practice until you can do yeah. it. Or you practice on something like your breath, which is really easy to do. Yes. Yeah. And you'll probably find that, that when you're doing it, certainly initially, um, that your brain, you know, you'll think about your toe and then all of a sudden you'll realize you're thinking about the trip to the supermarket that you did last week where the eggs were on special. Or it's trying to sneak back to the problem that has yeah. given you the anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. And then you think, how, how, why am I thinking about this? I was just thinking about my toe. Mm-hmm. So it's about, you know, coming across that awareness and then bringing the focus back to the toe or the breath. The, the analogy that I use is that when you're, you know, not well or not healthy or not unfit, then you go and put yourself on some sort of regime to get your strength back, to get yourself healthy again. You actually have to do the same thing for your brain. Yes, yeah, very much so, because they're not they're not no, exclusive. No, absolutely not. So you need to be able to. And so I teach my clients how to do mindful things with their breath, but also even just brushing your teeth. Yeah. You know, feeling the toothbrush in your hand, feeling the sensation of picking up the toothpaste, you know, smelling the toothpaste as it goes on to mm-hmm. the, you know, and feeling every single step and really focusing all of your attention onto that point. Because as you do that, you're calming the brain. Because yeah. it can only do so many things. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right? So you're f- deliberately focusing yourself into one moment right now. Because anxiety is often a fear that you are projecting into the future. This, yeah. this is what's going to happen. This could happen or that could happen. And it just catastrophizes, gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We need to come back to the present moment. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I guess the same. I was I was watching I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here and Shane Warne was, um, had to have a spider on his hand and he has a terrible phobia mm. of spiders. And I, I was watching him literally falling apart as this spider was on his hand. And, and you could kind of see his thought process. What if the spider bites me? What if it moves? Mm. Mm. What if it runs up my arm? 
what if, what if, what if, what if. Um, and and logic is not in there no. anywhere because, no. you know, the producers of the TV show are not likely to put him in a life-threatening situation. Yeah. There'd be uproar in Australia. Um, but it's... It, it, your brain just gets carried away mm. with itself mm. and it has no control in that moment. No. And the logical thought process, again, that part of the brain is switched off. Yeah. And your whole nervous system is now switched on for survival. So we need to focus on, you know, things that can get us out of that mode. One of the ways is to, to use the breath. Now, the Butengo breathing was really great for me, but what it taught was... Often when we get into anxiety, we take these big breaths, big breaths in and in with our mouth. And we yep. do this big, <gasps> yep. right. well, Butenko breathing taught me that to not breathe with my mouth, but to breathe only with my nose mm-hmm. when I get into an anxiety attack. And the reason is, is that in the back of the nose, there's all of these tiny little filaments that kind of filter out all the crap that's in the air. Yep. And so when you're taking a big breath into your mouth... You're taking in all of that crap and stressing oh. your body even more. Yeah. And your body's already on high alert. So we want to t- sort of trick it, train it back into breathing normally. So I do it with my nose. And so as a consequence, most of the time in exercise, when someone says, or in a yoga class, take a big breath, I never do. <laughs> I do the opposite. I actually yeah. take a small breath, as small as you possibly can while you're in the middle of this anxiety, but only with your nose. And then you breathe in for a certain amount. So it might be one or two or three or four, whatever it is. Yep. But then I breathe out longer. Yep. And so you build it up to the point where you can start doing smaller breaths, longer out. So it might be a count of two in, four to five out. And then you take a short, you know, break in between. So again, you're training. If you notice yourself when you're not in an anxiety attack, it's quite natural for you to breathe in. Yep. And not breathe out straight away and breathe in, then breathe out. So it's like you're training your body to inhale small, exhale big, hold, and do it again. So that's worth practicing, especially when you're not in an anxiety attack. <laughs> so yeah. when you do get into it, you can get to go, all right, I've got to try this breath thing. Just, you know, try it. The other couple of tricks you can do is to look up. And that may sound strange, and I couldn't do it while I was driving. (laughs) (laughs) Not a good idea, no. Not a good idea, but by looking up, you're actually shifting your eyes into, and the focus in your brain outside of your emotions. You're actually putting it back into the logical brain. Yeah, and also I find, you know, when people are in that really emotional state, whether it be... um, anxiety or panic or when they're upset about something the tendency is to close our eyes Mm. so that we we kind of get snowed under by that emotion and we're really in that place you start drowning in it yeah um and so it's you know it's a good idea to to open your eyes and as you know you say vanessa look up come back into that logical brain and then you can perhaps be more aware of the steps that you you can take yes to to get yourself out of that anxious position so EFT really helps for me once I'm part of that part past that initial panic stage yes me and too. Then, then I can tap especially if I know what set me off mm-hmm. then I can tap on um, and if people don't know what EFT are I would urge you to go and have a look 
Um, you can Google it. There's so many sites that are out there, but even on my website, there is a free download um, ebook that you can certainly use to. So that's lovetolive.com.au. You can download the ebook. Um, but I use that tapping to help me come back and to deal with the situation that got me into that panic. Yeah. Yeah. And I find it, I find it useful for even when I don't know mm-hmm. why. I don't know what the cause was. And just by using that process, often I can have this aha moment of, of that's where it comes yeah. from. Yeah. Wow, you know, I hadn't realised that that was even an issue. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm feeling anxious and panicky and, and it's a lot easier to let go once you understand where it's coming from. Yes, it's raising that awareness. Yeah. Yes. Yes, definitely. Well, I think, you know, anxiety is some uh, a, certainly a subject we can certainly come back to because there's so many things that are, are wrapped in that. Like yeah. there's so many different ways of having anxiety. We've just talked about generalised anxiety yeah. today. We haven't really talked about social phobia or, you know, the more extreme um, levels of anxiety, of agoraphobia and so on and so on. So I think it's um, it's a very big topic. But hopefully today, after listening to this, you'll have at least a couple of things you can go off and do when you, if you feel like. Or be able to recognise yeah. it as well. Which is the first you. step. Yeah. Yeah. Recognise it. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think... Um, Definitely in future podcasts, we'll be able to delve a little bit deeper into that um, and perhaps, you know, really give some um, suggestions as to, to how people can better recognise it in themselves. Because uh, as you say, a lot of people don't even realise that they're feeling anxious. No, that's right. So if you've got any questions or if this has raised any issues for you, uh, you can contact us through our Facebook page, which is mental as anything podcast or if it's really um kind of urgent i would really encourage you to go and talk to your doctor yeah uh, as your first port of call and like we said in the last if that doesn't work find a better doctor yes <laughs> <laughs> and if that doesn't work find a better doctor <laughs> or contact sharon or i through the podcast and we're absolutely here to help you yep. and if you have any questions please feel free to get back to us yep Wonderful. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.